0: Welcome
1: to the Physics Teaching Podcast, a podcast for teachers of physics made by physics teachers. Uh, physics teachers like me, Robin Griffiths, a sort of part-timeish teacher of physics because I now do management stuff. Which uh, what was I thinking? <laughs> and physics <laughs> teachers
0: like me, Thomas a P., a part-time, still a physics teacher, A-level only teacher of physics. And in in a royal weekend, we are we are joined by someone who both robin and i think is physics royalty and i'm going to let robin do the introduction because i used to work for robin and robin used to work for charles so you know let's work up the chain
1: so does that make charles sort of your your grandfather here but anyway yeah no I'm d- delighted delighted genuinely delighted to be uh, joined by my old boss from the IOP when i worked um, at the institute of physics uh, doing uh, teacher outreach and working supporting physics teachers around the uk uh, a, a man who's forgotten more about physics than I'll ever know, but an absolutely tireless advocate of promoting uh, physics education and the love of physics generally in the classroom, helping teachers to teach physics and deeply concerned with with physics uh, and the future of physics as a great subject and an enabling subject uh, for those that study it. So genuinely a pleasure to welcome to the podcast Charles Tracy. Thank you so much. Welcome Charles. Thank you. We we normally
0: get the guests to do a little introduction, but I think Robin has done it for you. So this is a Ways to Teach Energy episode, and I want to concentrate on teaching energy to 11-year-olds, and I want us to come at it from the point of view that some brave wonderful soul who's not a physics specialist a biologist a geographer a PE teacher has been told to teach energy to 11 year olds they're walking into the room and they're going to teach about energy now for me don't know about you the classic way to do it is to say this is what energy is take about five minutes on that and then do a carousel where they go around and they look at 10 different experiments I think you'd call it a circus Robin I call it a carousel and in those little experiments they have to identify the energy stores in, in the little experiments so the first question for you Charles that you could listen to a podcast on this we did energy but I think uh, you may disagree with that our, our conclusion was energy is what lets things happen and I think what what would you say you are the absolute expert on this
2: yeah I, I mean I think and I'll, I'll get on what to onto what uh, you might say to 11 year olds but I think for the audience I'd say that it's not quite that energy isn't quite what lets things happen and, and not what makes things happen uh, and the reason that's the case is because energy is conserved and that description is not conserved. Uh, that's to say, you know, a, a swimming pool uh, stores as much energy thermally as a, a hot cup of tea or, you know, raising the temperature of a swimming pool a little bit. Is, it takes as much uh, energy as, as raising the temperature of a cup of tea to, to boiling point. But you can do useful things with a cup of tea and you can't with the swimming pool. So the the ability to make things happen is not the same for both of those. Uh, But the energy stored is. So I know you didn't say it's what makes things happen. It's what lets things happen. But it's still not quite right, I don't think. Energy energy is a tool that allows us to analyze um, what can happen in a situation uh, and predict what can be the outcome of that situation. So that's not really a very satisfactory answer for an 11-year-old, but that's what it is. It's, a, it's an accounting tool. You're
0: saying it's an accounting method for things that happen.
2: Yeah, so but you want some intuitive sense of it. So clearly, if you've got a cup of tea at 50 degrees C, it doesn't store as much energy as a cup of tea at 80 degrees C. So there's some sense that you've done more to the cup of tea at, at 80 degrees C. It stores more energy. So in the, I, I think something based around that would be more helpful to say that we, the, the energy tells us about how much effort it took to get a cup of tea a, a ball, a book on a shelf get those things into the, the situation they're in. So how much effort did it take to put a book on a shelf? How much effort did it take to raise the temperature of a cup of tea? How much effort does it take to make a car move or a, a bouncy toy?
0: So are you saying energy is a measure of effort to achieve something
2: yeah yeah
0: okay so that that gives us our start for the kids i mean that's a pretty i, I can understand that intuitively which is great
1: yes i think i mean to be honest i i, I kind of go with that i go with the idea that I, I use the i don't know what you think about this chance but i use the money analogy i sort of say that the, the I, you know if i've got 100 pounds and i give you 100 pounds to go and spend in a shop I, I can say all the things that you can buy and all the things that you can't buy but i can't say what you will buy it's, it's a way of, a, of
2: it's a quantity that we measure I think that aspect of the analogy is very helpful. Yeah, that, that energy doesn't tell you what will happen. It tells you what can happen. So as an example, a book on a shelf, uh, if the book falls off the shelf, you can predict using energy ideas, you can predict how fast it will go just before it hits, how fast it's going just before it hits the floor. But an energy argument well, won't tell you if it's going to fall off the shelf or not. You need to, to think about other things to, to do that. So it, it, it tells you what can happen rather than what will happen. The the other thing that I was going to mention about the effort one, and it's it's a little bit of a fiddle, and I admit this, and there may be people who pick me up on it, that you know normally effort would take to, to describe work or working. But, but in this case, I'm using it more generally because there are two ways you can change the energy stored in a system. One is to, to do work on it, working it, and the other is to, to transfer energy by heating it, putting it in contact with something uh, at a higher temperature. So the The nice thing about effort is it encompasses both of those that you know you you it takes effort to raise the temperature of a cup of tea it also takes effort to lift a book in those two situations we're heating something and we're um doing work on it mechanical work on it. so they are different ways of transferring energy, but in both cases we can call it effort, so it's a nice general term. so the amount of effort it took to to put something into the situation it's in.
0: So that's that's a great starting point. Thank you. So here we are. We're I, I put out the clarin call to the dear listener. I tweeted and at physics TP is our tweeter thing, isn't yep. it, Robin? I'm really I'm really into the
1: social. Oh yeah, the social media because we're really good at that. Uh, and if you want to contact us,
0: do email us contact at thephysicsteachingpodcast dot com. Got that in early this week. So I said my my favorite thing is the popping toy on the energy carousel, and. A few dear listeners came up with some ideas. But let's just start with the popping toy. Now, we haven't mentioned Charles has been incredibly patient with us because we had a bit of a not pressing record moment the first time <laughs> round. So we have taught this through quite a lot. And I we learned, or I learned, that in that carousel, you need to be very, very clear about your starting condition and starting store and your ending condition and ending store. So I thought that the popping toy gives us a good way of discussing that. So my my idea for the popping toy is I would say the starting condition I would tell the kids, I'd probably put a piece of paper in the tray with it, is push the toy down and let it stand compressed. What is the energy store? And then for me, I'd said it's going to jump in the air and at the top of its flight, what is the energy store?
2: Yeah, does that yeah. sound
0: good? And then you might you might ask them what the process is. So this is the bit I still struggle with all these years of teaching. What would you say the process is of going from the compressed, the the strain energy to the gravitational potential? I mean, I know you're going from the the bonds being a bit closer together, I guess, and the field being deformed. I'm not going to say that to an eleven year old.
2: No, so so Charles. Um, the, 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 popping toy, I absolutely agree. I think it's a, a wonderful one. And the, the, the standard one where you push it down and let it stand. And yeah, that's the obvious place to start that you've compressed it and it's storing energy elastically. Or if you're using the stores model, there is energy stored in an elastic store. Uh, and that's your start point. You told them that energy stored there. And then the important thing is, is they, for the energy analysis, they don't, they shouldn't worry about what happens in between. It's only they, they, they think of the start point and the end point, the en- energy analysis. And as you say, you've given the end point at the, the top of the flight. So uh, it's storing energy gravitationally or if you're using stores, it's energy stored in a gravitational store. And that's fine. I, you know, that's lovely. And, and you know, people may say, well, God, yeah, that seems far simpler than, than I'm used to. Surely I'm missing something. Well, no, absolutely not. Because if you were doing a calculation and this is, you know, we're jumping ahead to. Uh, GCSE, if you're doing a calculation, it would be half kx squared would be the store at the beginning, and uh, MGH would be uh, the way of evaluating the energy stored gravitation at the end. And then you'd put those equal to each other because you know that the stores are the same with a little, potentially with a little bit being lost into uh, um, energy stored thermally. Uh, but basically you can you can equate those and you can find out something you didn't know. So it might be uh, the spring constant in the spring in that example because there's a beautiful
1: sort of um, you said it almost seems too simple but there's a beautiful simplicity about the stores pathway stores yeah. transfer model that also is not ambiguous and that's kind of part of the reasoning behind this isn't it that's that was the that was the the reasoning behind
2: the researchers who, who sort of put this forward yeah exactly so so this the, the concerns about the way that this energy is being taught go back 35 years back to, to when i started teaching and before uh, and one of them was that you know there wasn't a there wasn't an answer that everyone could agree on, and you'd end up with you know massive chains of of energy transfers, and they'd all be different. So that's not physics. If you know that's just um, opinion or you know busking or something. <laughs> um, the uh, I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, but in this case, as you say, absolutely, it must be no one no one can get any answer except for it's stored elastically at the beginning it's stored gravitationally at the end because that's the that's the equation we're trying to set up we're trying to model that that equation sometime later and then what happens in between are the the mechanisms and the nice thing about mechanisms is you can go as deeply as you want so because then you're into physical processes and and that's kind of what we do in physics you know we we can describe something another level and then someone says yeah but what happens to cause that and then to, they describe that and then someone says well, yeah but what happens to, to cause that until you get to quarks or strings or whatever your um mm. your preference
0: or your level of knowledge <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, So with, you know, with with 11-year-olds, you'd say, you know, the spring, the the, the sticky bit is holding it. And then eventually the the spring pulls the sticky bit off. And at that point, the spring snaps open and it pushes against the table and pushes against the toy. So it's pushing down on the table, up on the toy, and it fires the toy into the air. And and to begin with, the toy is going really fast. But as it goes up in its flight, gravity is slowing it down. So it slows, 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 slows until it gets the top and stops. And then gravity is still pulling it down. So then it accelerates down. All of that you could simplify or make more complicated, depending on your audience.
0: Excellent. So you could also say the end point was the moment it pops. So you go from the compressed spring to the moving, popping toy. Yeah. And something I've seen over and over again since this whole the stores was introduced is the idea you have a block of a tower of squares, say ten squares that represent the store at the start, and then. Alongside, you have 10 squares arranged differently. So you're, you've got your elastic strain store. And then on the other side, you've got your potential store. There might be nine bricks high with a, a, a spare brick, which might be thermal thermal store to the, of the universe or something. And that is, is how I would go around afterwards. I would probably walk round to all the trays in the carousel with 10 bricks and build the tower and say, right, what happens? Where do the bricks go at the end? Okay, Second one. Now, friend of the podcast, Ruth Chesman, tweeted two words, simple pendulum. Mm. So I think we can treat that in the same way. So possibly you'd say at the moment of release was your starting condition and the end condition was at the bottom of the swing.
2: Yeah. I I mean, I I think, so again, pendulums are lovely because you can choose, you know, you can choose a number of of endpoints. I think if I were doing it, I would start with it With it swing across because it 's quite nice that the gravitational store empties, and then the gravitational store fills at the other side, uh, so if you have your start point on one side and end point on the other, or you can just have it back at the beginning again, and then you will start to to talk about the idea that it oh look it 's actually the same you know it comes back up to the same height so this is this is interesting because. When it, when it gets back to the same height, presumably whatever energy it was storing originally is the same now. it's the, you know it's storing the same energy at the end, and then you, then you can start to introduce the idea that this is a very interesting quantity because it is the same before and after an event from which you will either generate or plant the question, yeah but you know what what about at the bottom? It's lower at the bottom, so it, it, now we haven't got the same amount. Mm, but what's happening at the bottom? So it's moving now. So there's something interesting here that when, it's, when it loses height, it gains speed, it gains movement. So whatever this, this accounting quantity is, we can store it in different ways. We can store it by its height in the gravitational field, or we can store it by its motion. So when the, the energy associated with its height decreases, the energy associated with its motion increases. And we call the height one, we say it's storing it gravitationally because we've done work against gravity. And the motion one has an interesting word, which is kinetic. When things are moving, we say it's kinetic. So you can say it's storing it kinetically at the bottom, or there's a kinetic store of energy. So the, the energy is stored kinetically. So if you take your start at the side and your end at the bottom, then you, you have to begin with, you've got an um, energy stored gravitationally or energy in a gravitational store. And then at the end, you've got energy and a kinetic sort. And again, no dispute. I love that way
1: of, because of, I always bring the, the circus in, or the, the carousel, or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> when the, um, yeah, we, we have this ongoing <laughs> debate. Uh, but I always, I always bring the carousel in when we've done a little bit on stores. Uh, and I've introduced them, and of course it's very abstract to them then, but I love the, uh, the, the uh, what you've just described there, which is saying, okay, well, you know, it starts off with it gravitation because we've moved it high, it ends up doing this and it it ends up with the energy in a different store but in the intermediate we must have a different store because you know and we can see that and you can see the evidence for that so i really love that way of doing things that that's something i would i would change in my practice to as a result of the podcast which is a good thing yeah cool
0: and then you can get your giant pendulum and talk about how energy is conserved by (gasps) swinging it from your
1: nose Yeah, yeah, I never trust myself with that. Never trust myself not to push it slightly.
2: But we we'll put a link in the show notes to John. Tell tell your listeners to make sure it's spherical. Don't don't use an oddly shaped thing. You might break your nose. Think about <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> non yeah, non specialists definitely use a spherical uh big pendulum, but we'll put a link
2: to the big pendulum in action uh in the show notes and if you're feeling brave, give it a go. Just just going back to the discussion earlier. So I would I would recommend as as Robin says, I would recommend doing a couple of demos at the front and talk through it in three stages. So talk through it first, what you see happens. So what you see happen with the pendulum is it starts at a certain height, it swings across up to the same height and it comes down, it speeds up and then slows down as it comes up again and and swings back to the same height. So just describe, describe what happens in the world. Then think about the processes. So why does it swing down? It swings down because of its weight or gravity. Gravity is pulling it down, which accelerates it down to the bottom. And then at the bottom, obviously the string's holding it so it sort of turns it around and it comes up again. As it's going up, gravity is now slowing it down until eventually it stops at the top. Quite difficult, I think, probably to, to describe that, maybe a simple version. And then do the start, end point, energy analysis. So the physics, you can talk about physical processes and mechanisms, you can talk about all the way through what's happening, any stage in it. They're continuous. But the energy analysis is definitely about taking a snapshot at two points that you you define or they define and you choose them conveniently. And then of course the the final one with the pendulum is just to let it run. And you know, just watch it. You know, you could be you could have done a chat about it, and then as you're talking it keeps running. And you know, after five minutes of, of talking you say, Oh, that's interesting, it stopped. So now what's happened? So, the process now is that each time it swings across, it's brushing against air particles. So, each time it goes across, it's doing a little bit of work against those air particles. It's speeding up the air particles when it bashes into them. Uh, and faster air particles to you and me is raising their temperature by a very little amount. So, it just pushes up the temperature of the air around it. And therefore, in the energy store terms, so you could get your blocks again, the, you know, we, we've got More like 100 blocks now, but you've got 100 on one side. It swings across the other side. It raises the temperature of the particle. So one block goes to an energy, a a thermal store, energy stored thermally. Only Only 99 go to the gravitational store on the other side. And then each swing that happens, so over time, the swing dies away.
1: So that that talking about those physical processes, which you can do continuously, and and if you get that mental discipline into your teaching, I guess, to talk about energy stores at the starts and end points, and then in between you're talking about forces and motion, and particularly that description of brushing against air particles, speeding them up ever so slightly, that therefore is an increase in temperature. Therefore, at the end point, the surrounding, thermal store of the surroundings, which I always... Hammer into the, um, the the heads of my GCSE students, but thermal store of the surroundings uh, has increased slightly. There's more energy stored in the in the therm- thermally in, in the um, in the surroundings. Yeah. So that's that's really nice. What do you think, Thomas?
0: I really really like it. I'd I'd like to feel I had a tower of a hundred blocks. I was thinking I'm going to have a tower of ten with. A, a deck of cards on top and then each time you move them across you just leave one card behind okay so let's look at another one which I think is, is harder so josh White at Mr. White underscore science thank you josh it said photovoltaic cells I love using them to get students thinking about light as an energy transfer not an energy store it also gives a nice opportunity to discuss the nuclear energy store in the hmm. sun now I when we recorded this last time I said oh yes I'd like to have a, a solar cell with a fan and uh Charles was a no, 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 not for eleven year olds <laughs> so Charles, do you want to explain what you would do with a the solar
2: a solar motor So, you, you could have a fan, but the 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 thing is then it's just not so interesting because if you and, and again with the with the solar cell best to point it out a window because then it is the sun, you know you get getting, getting some sunlight on it just keeps things simple so at, at the beginning there's there's energy stored in a nuclear store in the sun uh and at the end, that's gone down a bit. Uh, but if you have it on a fan, all it's done is to make air particles move and again warmed up the room. So raise the temperature in the room by little and out. So that's not terribly, you know, it's okay, it's fine. Uh, but you don't want everything to be thermal store in the surroundings. Um, so I would suggest just putting a you know, putting a spindle on the thing and, and a bit of cotton and, and find a weight that you know, a bit of plasticine that the the motor is capable of lifting with the you know, with the power output of the, the solar cell, and and then that's your start and end point. When the start point's with the weight on the floor, and the end point's with the, the weight lifted up. So in that case, you're you're emptying a nuclear store in the sun and filling up a, a gravitational store on the earth. Yes,
0: yeah, so it's it's harder if it's if it's working a fan because what's the end point there because you've got a system that's just sitting there in steady yeah. motion and there's no obvious end point i, I took that point i thought that was very good And i think if i was to teach year seven again and i was actually making this carousel i would have to sit down and think carefully about what i was doing on each each place and i definitely have a a sheet in each tray saying this is the start point this is the end point.
2: And, and incidentally we're not fiddling it. We're choosing a situation that is, does open itself up to energy analysis. That you know you would be able to do an MGH and a, and a nuclear store calculation if you wanted. The fan wouldn't be an energy analysis; that would be a power analysis because it's a continuous mm. process. Whenever you've got a continuous process, you would you would do it as a power analysis, which you know is possible further up the school. But you wouldn't do it by identifying energy stores. You'd do that through VI calculations in the in the solar cell and intensity calculations on its face and at the speed at which it lifts the those can still be done but I, I don't think i'd introduce them at um
0: yeah and i think that argument applies to l the basket who said a candle spinner so a candle with a fan on top which is lovely and i would absolutely have used in the past but i think having spoken to you i don't think i could now because again it's a it's a power calculation it's how fast we're turning that wax uh, and how much wax is being used to change the thermal straw in the room and once you've got a steady state motion of the fan and that's just too complicated
1: for an 11 year old but again
2: you can put a spindle on it and and lift the weight i'd be a bit more involved in that one but you know there are probably things we can do
1: because because in my head what's starting to develop also is is a sort of graphical representation of this that the students can perhaps work with so perhaps in each tray you'd have a diagram of the start point with a series of endpoints, at various points through the travel. So for example, the pendulum, you know, you might have um, a start point uh, with you, you holding it up uh, and then you'd have a, an end point with it at the bottom of the travel. And then another end point with it at the equal point at the other side, uh, and then coming back slightly less high the, the next time and so on and so forth. So that you've got those diagrams kind of laid out step by step and you're saying, okay, what is happening? You know, what's, what's happening to the stores step by step. So, students if they're struggling you just say don't worry just look at the first step and see if you can work out what's going on and as they start to get an appreciation they can maybe start to engage with the steps going on Mm. uh, and look at that maybe you could use something like this the the spindle and the spinner and say well yeah what's going on here because clearly you've got at the end you know there is no obvious end point so you tell me what's going on and and maybe maybe that can start to be an extension for some of some of the kids as well
2: always it comes back to you know, in our in our minds you, you wouldn't say this to the the students necessarily, but in our minds is what calculation would this allow me to set up. Because stores are a placeholder for an energy calculation that can be done sometime in the future. So so you can always ask yourself, you know, is is this something I would do as a calculation? And for the for the candle it's a lovely thing, but it's not it doesn't lend itself to an energy analysis. You wouldn't do a calculation that would, would help you with
0: that. that- is a, a perfect reason not to use another one that I would have used in the past. That Dan Hannard at Dan Hannard said, which is just a plant, because I can see there's a start. There's the nuclear source in the sun, and the plant's a bit bigger, and it's used the oxygen store of the room and yada yada. But it's not obvious what's going on there, is it? it well,
2: it's tricky. Photosynthesis is tricky, but I, I think a plant is okay. So if you put it again, use sunlight rather than artificial light. If you if you put it in the sun, essentially it's taking. Some chemicals in the atmosphere that aren't storing much energy, carbon dioxide and water. And by some amazing process in the leaves, it's turning that into sugars, which with oxygen store more energy. So the, the, the energy stored chemically after a plant has grown for a short while is more than the energy stored chemically before it did that grow, because beforehand it was chemicals that are a lower energy state, are not they? So So
0: you'd say that the starting stores there are the nuclear energy in the sun and the chemical energy in the atmosphere, and the end store is the sugars in the plant?
2: I think I'd, I'd, I'd say there are two stores we're considering, the nuclear store in the sun and the chemical store on Earth. You could separate it into the chemical store in the atmosphere and the chemical store in the plant. But what's Mm. for sure is that afterwards, the amount stored in the chemical store in the plant equals the amount lost from the chemical store in the atmosphere plus the amount lost from the nuclear store in the sun.
1: Again, it's a a nice um, discussion to have and, and, and a nice way of looking at it. And again, what really helped me when I was getting a bit confused with that example was this idea of separating out process from um energy stores and start and end points. So for me that's that's the takeaway here is is you've got your start point you've got your end point choose what those are and be explicit about them and then move on to the process. And I think particularly at key stage 3 and this is perhaps the, the, the you know energy's wasted on you lot at key stage 3 uh, because you're not doing a calculation are you? I mean and I remember you saying this once Charles you should only ever bother with energy if you're going to do a calculation mm. with it. So don't listen to that key stage 3 teachers you should still do energy with your uh, with your key stage 3 students but the calculations come later but
0: that is my takeaway is when you're designing these little stations in your front of your mind should be what's the calculation
1: yeah
0: if if there's no calculation you can do then you shouldn't put it in. I also think you don't need when I was starting and teaching, I used to think more oh, carousel, I need oh I've got thirty in the class, divide that by three, that's ten I've got to have ten workstations. Yeah. It can be the same thing five times. and so they only have to do two trays. Yeah. So they each say do these two things. It gives you much more time to talk about it. it took me quite a long time to work that out in my career. I've oh, oh got to think up all these stupid practicals. No, give them a couple and then spend more time talking about them it would be what I would do.
2: The other, um, so the, I mean, the, the thing about the photosynthesis one is it is, of course, it's biomass, is that, you know, that is what's happening, is that photosynthesis is this, you know, it's basically <laughs> the, how, how we're able to, to survive and, and live. Of course it is, the, that photosynthesis somehow captures sunlight and forces a reaction in the direction you wouldn't expect it to go, so that at the end, you're storing more energy chemically than you did at the beginning, because the... the Sugars plus oxygen stores more energy than carbon dioxide plus water. So you, we can then do that in reverse and burn the plant, and that's that's basically biomass.
0: Honestly, the realizing that when I was very young was one of the first things that turned me onto physics. Brilliant. Was was realizing that when you burnt a log, you were getting the sun back from the sun. I was very young. I remember that so well, thinking, "Oh, I've worked something out here. This is amazing."
1: <laughs> yeah. So I think we we've got some really clear uh, points for teaching from this, which is really, really good. So we've got this idea of you pick a particular start and end point, and that start and end point is related to the energy stores involved. It's not related to the physical process, which is separate, and you should discuss that separately and encourage the students to discuss it and encourage them to swap their ideas about that physical process, almost separate from uh, the energy start and end points that you're considering. There could be multiple endpoints in a particular practical, for example, a bouncing ball, for example, a pendulum. They will have multiple endpoints. And it's the idea of just getting them to realize that, that even at Key Stage 3, where you're using blocks, playing cards, whatever it is you're using to signify the energy, that basically there is a quantity involved. And the quantity is all important because without the quantity, energy is fairly meaningless. Yeah,
0: that's a good summary. I think. I think it's a good place to end, as long as Charles promises to come back and help us do a Key Stage 4 energy.
1: He's never going to come back. Come on, Not after last week, not pressing the button and, oh dear, come on. (laughs) He's going to move house now. Change my name.
0: Joint responsibility,
1: Robin. Um, But
0: I would like to give a shout out to Josh White, who has recorded me how he introduces energy to Key Stage 4. Uh, but I don't. i will play it then, if you, if you'll agree to come back, Charles. I think it's a good place to stop. I
2: will agree to come back. Can I? Can you? And this isn't uh, a plug as such, because I don't get any money from it. But this is written up in the A.S.E.'s book. So
1: it's. It's. The, are these the books that used to have the black cover? Yes um yeah. yes it's it's the latest version it is a great book it's a great book so
0: charles is holding up a textbook teaching secondary physics we will put a link to it in the show notes well that's a great place to stop thank you so much charles i have learnt an awful lot it's brilliant thank you so much
2: pleasure yeah
1: well no it's been abs- absolutely brilliant and uh, as always it's it's lovely to catch up yeah. charles thank you so much indeed yeah uh, and i owe you one <laughs>
0: and we will be back with energy for key stage four as soon as we can sort it out thank you very much robin thanks thomas see you next month thanks guys thank you for listening to the physics teaching podcast and special thanks this week to charles tracy the podcast is presented by me thomas wp with robin griffiths and produced and edited by me with robin doing the show notes thanks for listening and we'll speak to you another day